there are lots of things that we do in church that we just always do them that way. And so sometimes we don't stop to think about why we do them that way. And sometimes we do them that way just because that's the easiest thing to do. But oftentimes there's a really good biblical reason why we do what we do. For example, have you ever wondered why we have deacons serve the Lord's Supper? Might be a question you've thought about before. Maybe you haven't ever thought about it before. Maybe you thought, well, I mean, somebody's got to do it, and we've got deacons, so might as well have them do it, right? But there's actually a really good biblical answer to that question. Uh, In the early days of the church, when the the believers were gathered there in Jerusalem, uh, after hearing the gospel at Pentecost, and people were being saved all the time, um, there were two main groups inside of that church. They were they were pretty much all Jews, if not all Jews, but they didn't all speak the same language. Some of the Jews uh, spoke Hebrew or Aramaic, and some of the Jews spoke. Greek, and probably those Jews who spoke Greek were Jews who had lived in different parts of the world and then come back to Jerusalem and heard the gospel and been saved. And so as this church was sort of living and and worshiping together, there was a conflict that arose. There was a problem because the Jews who spoke Greek felt like their widows were not being taken care of like the Jews who spoke Hebrew or Aramaic. And so they kind of raised a a complaint, right? A, a, a problem. This is not going like it's supposed to, right? All the widows should be taken care of. God cares very much for widows and orphans. The Bible makes that very clear. And uh, not all the widows were being uh, taken care of. They were not all receiving the daily distribution of food. Um, and so they had a problem that they had to solve. And the way that the apostles solved it was by calling all the church together and calling upon them to appoint seven men who were godly and full of the, of the Holy Spirit uh, to take over this duty. And what they said was, they said, the apostles said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. And they said that not because serving tables was beneath them, but just because they couldn't do both. Jesus had clearly called them to preach, but somebody also had to take care of the food ministry, right? Taking care of the widows. And you can tell that this was still a a very important responsibility because of the qualifications these men had to have. They had to be men of godly character, men who were full of faith, men who were full of the Holy Spirit. But when the apostle said, it's not right for us to give up preaching the word of God to serve tables, the word for serve there is Diaconeo. And the only reason I say that is because you can hear the word deacon in that, right? The word deacon literally means to serve. And so the first deacons, likely here in Acts chapter 6, they were appointed to serve tables. They were appointed to serve the widows who needed to be provided food. But there's no social security back then, right? So the, the widows who... Don't, they don't have a way to make an income. They don't have a way to make a living. Their husbands have passed away. And so there's no uh, you know, male breadwinner, so to speak. And so the church is taking care of them. The church is providing food for them. And the deacons were the ones who were to go uh, among the widows daily and distribute that food to them, to serve tables in that way. So a deacon is someone who serves Right? And someone who serves 
all in order to protect the unity of the church. Right? Because the, the church was fracturing over this failure to treat all the widows uh, equally. And so they were preserving the unity of the church by serving uh, the most vulnerable in the church. And so it's especially appropriate that deacons also serve the Lord's Supper. Because it's an act of service, right? And they're serving food, the bread and the cup, that represent the Lord's body and blood. And they are serving a meal that symbolizes the unity of the church. Because as we come together to take the Lord's Supper, one of the things we're doing, we're not only remembering Jesus' body and blood, His sacrifice for us, that's the main thing that we're doing, but we're also demonstrating as we take this meal together, right, that we are one body, unified under one Lord, by one faith. So there's a really good biblical reason why deacons serve the Lord's Supper. And not only that, I bring that up this morning, because as they do that, as they serve the Lord's Supper, and as they serve others in our church who are in need, in that way, they imitate Christ, who served breakfast to His disciples in John 21. And that's where we're turning our attention this morning. The Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 1 to 14. I'm going to read that story for us. We're still in the section of John's Gospel where Jesus is appearing and uh, revealing Himself to His disciples after His resurrection. And He's already appeared to His disciples before, but again, the book of Acts tells us He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. So there were multiple occasions on which Jesus showed up and showed Himself to His disciples or taught His disciples and This is one of those occasions in John 21, beginning in verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. And when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. 
And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So this story that ends with Jesus serving his disciples breakfast begins with a fishing trip. Peter and some of the disciples we know were fishermen before Jesus called them. And uh, Peter decides he's going fishing. And many of the other disciples go with him. Two, at least, of which we know were also fishermen. The sons of Zebedee, that's James and John. They were also fishing with their father when Jesus had called them to leave their nets and boats behind and come and follow him. So Peter and the others, they go out for a night of fishing. But while they're out there, and they fish during the night, while they're out there that night, they don't catch anything which was likely frustrating and exhausting because a fruitless night of fishing is probably not what they had in mind when they set out. But when they come back to the shore, or they're you know, near the shore, Jesus is there on the shore, and they're close enough that Jesus can see them and speak to them, and they can hear him and talk back, but they don't, they don't know that it's Jesus, right? They're far enough away, perhaps, that they can't quite tell that it's him and they have this conversation that if you've even been fishing once you've probably had this conversation right you pass somebody else and they say hey did you catch anything and sometimes you have to say no which is not what any fisherman wants to say after a outing of fishing and then jesus says what Lots of other people have probably said, hey, I know where you can get some fish. Right? You didn't catch any? Let me tell you where you can get some fish. Also, usually not what you want to hear. Right? Okay, well, yeah, you, you probably know better than I do. You know, this is just my job, that's all. But, okay, what, where should we, uh, what should we do to catch some fish? And Jesus says, just let down the net on the other side of the boat and you'll catch some. Now, I don't know, because John doesn't tell us how the disciples respond to this. I imagine there was some eye-rolling. There's probably some grumbling. Who's this guy think he is? You know, just, oh, it's just that easy? We just, yeah, we didn't think about that. Just letting down the boat, the net right now on the right side? Okay, whatever. But they do it. Whatever grumbling they might have been doing, whatever, you know, doubt or disbelief or whatever they may have had at the moment, they do what this man says. Again, they don't know it's Jesus. And they let down the net. Remember, John tells us that this story is about Jesus revealing himself. That's what he says in verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples. How is Jesus revealing himself in this moment? Well, when he tells them to let the net down on the right side of the boat and that they'll find some fish, they do that. And then it says, not only did they catch some fish, but they caught so many, the net was so heavy, they couldn't pull it in. Now, you can make a big catch of fish that's bigger than what you normally would. 
You can even make a big catch of fish after someone tells you, hey, here's a great spot to go fishing. And you think, wow, that guy, he did know what he was talking about. But to fish all night and catch nothing and then be told right where you are, just right on this side of the boat, just let down your net right now and I'm telling you, you'll catch some fish. And you make a catch so big, you can't even haul in the net. That's not just a coincidence. And John knows it. When they try to haul in that net, and they can't, right? Verse 7 says, that disciple whom Jesus loved, and that's how John refers to himself often in this gospel, that disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. John is connecting the dots. They're hauling in the net, and John's like, this this is not a coincidence. This is not just some guy on the seashore. That has to be Jesus. How does he make that connection? Well, John and the others, they've, they've been with Jesus. They've seen the kinds of things that he can do. They've seen him calm the storm on the sea. They've seen him walk on water. They've seen him cast out demons. They know that he has power like nobody else. They know that he has control over creation like only God does. And so when John sees and hears this event, he hears Jesus say, that's where the fish are. And he sees that net full of fish that can't even get all the way up into the boat. John doesn't say, I think I know who this is. He doesn't say, it might be Jesus. He knows this is the Lord. Not because he can see him. It's not by his physical appearance. He recognizes Jesus by his work. I want us to be like John in that way. Right? We want to know Jesus so well that when he is at work somewhere, in somebody's life, in a church, in a family, whatever it is, that when we see the work he's doing, we know that's got to be Jesus. When, when somebody changes somebody's life like that, when somebody does something Something dramatic happens in answer to prayer. That's, we know who that is. We know Jesus is there. We know that he's at work. That's how John responded. Now, Peter responded a little bit differently. Peter was not the first one to put it together that it was Jesus. But as soon as John says to Peter, it's Jesus, Peter says, let me out of this boat. Right? He, he puts on his outer garment because he's been stripped for work, John tells us. He puts on his outer garment and he heads straight for Jesus. It says, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. Now, it tells us later in the next verse they were only 100 yards off. Like It's not like it was going to take them forever to get the boat to the sea. But however long it was going to take, that was too long for Peter. Peter wanted to get to Jesus as soon as he could. And I also want us to be like Peter in that way. Peter and John, they got different personalities, different responses, but both of them model for us healthy responses to Jesus. John recognizes Jesus at work before he ever sees him. 
He, just, he knows by what's happening, this has to be Jesus. Peter, when he knows Jesus is near, he wants to be near Jesus. He wants to draw near to Jesus. He wants to be in his presence. Why? Because he loves Jesus. He wants to be with him. That, that's, that's the kind of response we want to have as well. I've got an opportunity to be near Jesus. I want to be there. I've got a chance to hear from Jesus. I want to be ready to listen. I, I want to have an eagerness, a longing, an excitement, right? a desire to be near Jesus like Peter does. Not, not waiting, not holding back, not saying maybe next time. If he's here, I want to be here. If he's there, I want to be there. I want to be where Jesus is. Now, after Peter swims to shore, it says the, the, you know, the other disciples, verse 8, they came in the boat dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, but about 100 yards off. So they, just, they can't get the net up, so they just drag it along with them. And when they get to... The land, verse 9 says, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And I still remember hearing, I don't even remember who I heard say this, somebody saying, you know, isn't it just like Jesus that after you have, you know, sinned against him, which at least Peter has, right, by denying him those three times, uh, that isn't it just like Jesus that after you've betrayed him, after you've sinned against him, what does he do? He shows up and cooks you breakfast. That's just, that's, that's who he is. He, he doesn't, he's not holding a grudge. Right? He's not giving Peter the cold shoulder. He's serving Peter. Quite literally, right? So he's, he's prepared breakfast. He's got a fire going. He's got fish on it. There's bread prepared for them. And then Jesus says in verse 10, you'll bring some of the fish that you caught. Which, yes, they caught the fish, but why? How? Well, Jesus provided those, right? So even the fish that they're bringing to the breakfast are fish that were provided by Jesus himself. And that's, that's true of us. No matter how we are serving, no matter what we are giving, we're always serving and giving back just what God has given to us. Right? So, well, this is, this is my contribution. These are my fish that I caught. This is what I'm bringing. Well, yeah, well, that's because I, I told you where to get them. I, I told you how to catch them. Same thing with our, our time, our, our money, our talents, our gifts, whatever it is we bring back. Here's this money I'm giving. Here's this time I'm offering. Here's this you know, energy I'm sacrificing. Well, who gave you health? And who gave you a job to make that money? And who? It all ultimately comes from Him. He's the one who's providing for us all the time. So He provides the fish. He provides this breakfast. Uh, it even tells us how many fish they caught. Uh, 153 of them. It was just, it was so many. It's amazing that the net didn't break, right? John talks about how the net was not torn, even though there were so many fish. It was a massive, massive catch. And by this time, um, when verse, verse 12 says, Jesus invites them, you know, come and have breakfast. It says, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They didn't need to. All of them knew by this point, who this was. There were just too many signs. The, the character of Jesus, that he would serve them and, and, and love them and invite them this way. The, the supernatural power of Jesus, who, that he would 
provide for them these fish, that he would know where they are, that he would make sure those fish are in the right spot, that he would be able to tell them, and they would be able, all of that. Jesus has demonstrated his power over creation in this moment. He has reminded them again that he is a provider, right, as he has provided for them. He's showing them his mercy and compassion. They know who it is. They knew it was the Lord, John says. And then, verse 13, this is what really um, jumped out to me about this story that um, hadn't before. Right? And this is why uh, I asked Sarah if we could sing that first song this morning, Brethren, We Have Met to Worship. Because verse 13 says, Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. Jesus doesn't just cook them breakfast, doesn't just invite them to breakfast, doesn't just provide them the food for the breakfast, but he also serves them. He serves them breakfast. In that song that we sang, that hymn that we sang at the beginning of the service, it talks about how one day Christ will gird himself and serve us with sweet manna all around. In one sense, this scene right here where Jesus is serving them breakfast recalls Chapter 13 of John, where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Because in both instances, if there's anybody who should be served, in one sense, it's Jesus. Right? He is the resurrected Lord. Undisputable now who He is. No room left for doubt about who He is. And yet, still... Though he's already laid down his life for them. Though he's risen from the dead. Though Peter has denied. I mean, can you just imagine Peter being like, I should be groveling before your feet right now, serving you breakfast. And you're serving me? Just like Peter, long, I mean, before he denied Jesus, he didn't want to let Jesus wash his feet. How How must Peter be feeling now? Not worthy of you serving me. And yet that's what Jesus does. Not just in this moment, not just in that moment when he washed his disciples' feet, but he told them this was the very reason why he came. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus shows His love for us by serving us, by laying down His life for us. And so if if you're here and you're not a Christian, that's the good news. That Jesus, who's God in the flesh, He's served and loved sinners like you and I by laying down His life. If you just turn to Him and trust Him, He'll save you. He'll provide for you. He'll, He'll nourish you. He'll feed you. He'll care for you. That's what he does for his disciples here in this moment. But it's also like another story. It's not only like when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. It's also like when Jesus fed the 5,000. It's not insignificant that Jesus feeds them bread and fish. That's the same thing he fed to the people in John 6. When the 5,000 men were there and there's not enough food, what did they have? One little boy had five loaves of bread and two fish. And in that moment, Jesus was able to miraculously multiply that food 
to feed all of them such that there was food left over. And not only that, but these two events take place in the same place. John tells us here that they are at the Sea of Tiberias. That's the same place where they were back in John 6 when Jesus fed fed the 5,000. They were at the Sea of Tiberias. John is deliberately drawing the connection for us, and Jesus is as well for His disciples. This moment is meant to remind them of what He did when He miraculously provided for all of those people. Just as He is now, not in the same miraculous way, He's not multiplying the amount, but still a sort of miracle that they have these fish, right? They couldn't catch anything. Jesus gave them more fish than they knew what to do with. By doing all of these things, by demonstrating His power over creation, by providing the abundant catch of fish, by showing them the same mercy and compassion He had on the people who were following Him uh, around the sea that He fed with with the uh, the 5,000 people that He fed with the bread and fish, He's revealing Himself, John tells us again in verse 14. This is the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after He was raised from the dead. What He's doing is He's showing them, after His resurrection, it's still Me. I'm the same Jesus. I'm the same Messiah. I'm the same Savior. It is still Me. The same One that you followed all that time. That's me. I can still provide for you. I still show mercy and compassion to you. I still have power over creation like I've shown you again and again. It's the same Jesus. It's the same Lord. It's still Him. And what I want you to take away from this as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper in a few moments, is is this. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, our our deacons are going to serve the elements like they always do. But as they do so, I want you to imagine in your mind's eye that you are being served these elements, this bread and and this cup. I want you to imagine that you are being served this by Christ Himself. And the reason why I want you to do that is is twofold. One, Jesus is not physically present here with us, right? But he is spiritually present. He's present by the Spirit. And he has not changed. He loves to serve his people. And it's hard for us to believe that Jesus wants to serve us. We talk about, it's easy for us to talk about serving Him, because we know we, we owe Him, right? It's not as easy for us to think about Him serving us. But that's who He is. That's what He does. We need to think about Christ serving us. And the, the second reason I want you to think about it that way is because what we are taking and, and tasting is meant to remind us of Him, right? He says, this is my body for you. This is my blood that is poured out for you. And so in a sense, He is serving you. Every time we take the Lord's Supper, you're being reminded of how He served 
you by laying down his life. Remember, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And how did he do that? And give his life as a ransom for many. This is a remembrance of his chief act of service. So as you take it in a few moments, take it thinking, Jesus himself is serving me in this way. That's that's the good news. That's who Jesus is. That's what Jesus does. And when he serves us, when he provides for us, he does, he not only gives us right, our daily bread like we pray for, but he gives us the bread that leads to eternal life as well. Himself. He is the bread from heaven. 